Hello, party people. My name is Krista Keogh, and you're listening to Granted, the podcast that puts the fun in funding. Today, we're in the studio with Stephanie Purcell, who's a force of nature in the arts and entertainment industry. Stephanie is the founder of Vox Management Agency in Halifax, where she works as a booking agent with some of Canada's best and brightest talent, including comedians, musicians, and speakers. She's described by those who know her as the first in line and the last to leave. And we're going to find out how she does it in today's episode. Here we go. Thank you for being here with us today, Steph. Oh, thanks. I'm so happy to be here. Me too. I'm, this is such a treat because I get to talk to you all the time, mm-hmm. um, but I'm just so glad that we get to have this chat today so people get to know you more and what you do. Awesome. Thanks for having yeah. me. So you are someone who likes to be social. You are very busy. Your schedule's packed. You're always going out and you're going to shows and you also have a home in Halifax and you have get togethers and people are always coming and going. So you and I have known each other. We've been friends for about five or six years. But I've always wondered, is this the way you have always been? I think so. Okay. I mean, I my household growing up in Newfoundland was pretty busy. Like my parents always had dinner parties and always had friends over. And we grew up with a pool. So like friends were always welcome to come over and hang out. That, Sweet. Yeah. That was just one of those things that like I always had a busy household. And like even in my house here, it's like, oh, I love the drop in. You know, like I tell mm-hmm. people that it's like, come in, drop in. You know, it's um, yeah, it's always been something that I've. I've done. And it's kind of part of that Newfoundland culture you mentioned. So we Mm -hmm. were both born in Newfoundland, but you were born and raised Mm -hmm. in Deer Lake. Mm -hmm. So like what was happening in Deer Lake all the time (laughs) that made you so like on the go? Uh, Well, it's a very small town. So we didn't like town of 5,000 people. So we really didn't have a whole lot going on. Like to be honest, like when people always say, oh, did you always go to live music growing up? Like we really didn't that much because there really wasn't that much to go see. Um, We had like dances on the weekends like at the Lions Hall but amazing yeah. and we were in high school we would actually throw the dances and we would DJ the dances oh my gosh so we were I guess I've been like promoting events for a long long time <laughs> I didn't know that <laughs> yeah yeah that's okay. what we would do because it was and people love when we would throw the dances because for some reason they were always just that little bit more fun because you know there's like four teenage girls in grade 12 throwing dances so that was something that we always did. And then, um, you know, once I was old enough and we could go to bars, there was a couple bands that we used to go see in Newfoundland. There was very, very few, like, that were kind of really around. You know, it was in the 90s. There just really wasn't that much there. Um, but when I went to St. Avex, that I started going to shows all the time because the Student Union Building at St. Avex always had concerts and shows and the bars had shows. And that was just what I did when I was in university, like, okay. all the time. That's awesome. So yeah, so you went to St. FX and you have a Bachelor of Arts in uh, History and Fine Arts, which is pretty different from what you do today. <laughs> yeah. So what were you thinking when you enrolled in, in university? What did you want to do? Um, I wanted to get an X-ring. So okay. <laughs> my, my dad went to St. FX and grew up in Antigonish and like since I was a child, it was like, you're going to St. Avex. And it wasn't like I I told, like, my parents tell me, but it was, you know, my, my dad's family lived there. And it was just always one of those things that 
I, this is always what I was going to do. I was getting an X-ring. I was going to get a degree from St. of X. Like, that was it. Like, you graduate from high school that September, you're going to St. of X. And I went, and the first, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was like, I want to do an arts degree because I just wanted a degree. And, uh, you know, my first year I just took, I took history, I took English, I took psych, I took like the pretty like basic courses and I did not enjoy it. It was just not my jam. So the next year when I went back, I found the art department and I was like, oh, you can take art classes and get a degree. And I was always kind of a creative person. Um, so I basically took every art class that they had and then all like my history classes and stuff. I would take women's history and history of architecture and, you know, history of art and stuff like that. <laughs> so my goal ultimately was just to get the degree and get it done. Yeah. And it's so funny because I, when I reflect on it now, I've, I had so many friends who were in business and I really was quite interested in all the things that they were doing, but I was just sort of like, I didn't really think about doing business at the time and I was on a path and I was enjoying what I was doing and I was having fun and... Mm -hmm. So I just that's kept going awesome. with that. That's so funny. Oh, wow. That's but, interesting. But then it, you went to NSCC? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I was just going to say, though, what's really funny is that my mentor, um, who's Tom Kemp at the Feldman Agency, yeah. he has a degree in history. Right. So we always just laugh about that because it's just like, what are the chances that the two of us would have history degrees and we're both agents? Like, you Yeah. Know. Yeah. So then what led you to make the decision to go to NSCC because you did the advanced PR program mm -hmm. there? Yeah. So I moved to Halifax after I graduated and I worked at the Delta and I worked retail at Aerobics First on Quimpool. And I loved the work that I was doing, but my dad was like, okay, he's just <laughs> like, you need to get on a path. And my dad was a principal, but before that he was a guidance counselor. So he was like really big into like education and helping people find their careers and that sort of thing. So he found the NSCC, the PR program, and I applied and got in. And at the time, it was a very competitive program, like 500 people apply and like 30 get in. So when I found that out, I was like, okay, I guess like this is probably meant to be, you know, meant yeah. to be. So I did that program and I really enjoyed it and I did really well. Um, but my favorite part of the whole program was events. So I just always steered towards doing the events. Right. Like I organized our graduation party. I did like all <laughs> those sorts of things um, and really focused in like when there was like volunteer opportunities or guest speakers, like anyone from like the events world was those were the people that I stayed in touch with. Oh, my gosh. That's so exciting. I love that. <laughs> um, when you graduated from NSCC is when you started working at Limelight mm -hmm. Group. Okay. Yeah. And then you worked as a, a – you were booking talent there, and you were with them for 13 years, mm -hmm. and then you moved up to the role of vice president. And then in October 2016, you started your own business, mm -hmm. Vox Management Agency. And I know that was a really big decision for you, mm -hmm. to leave a position, you know, where you're very senior, you're doing a lot of work. Um Tell us about that time when you first thought, okay, I'm going to start my own booking management company. Like, how did you plan to set up your business for success? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I think just backing up to when I started at Limelight, I, you know, I started there on a six month contract and I did, it was a very small company. Like, there was the owner and then she hired me. 
And, um, you know, I did everything. I did marketing. I did customer service. I updated the website. I did accounting. I did, like, all the admin things. Like, I just did all those little pieces That's that so it great. took. Yeah. To, and like, a small business op- often offers you that opportunity, right? Yeah. You get to That's get your great. hands in a lot of things. So I learned a lot. And then as the years went on, you know, we had people who kind of took over all those sort of things. They were the admin person. They were the accounting person. They kind of handled some of, like, the client services stuff. Um, and then I moved really into a full-time sales role. Like, that was my main function in the business. And, you know, I networked a lot. And, I, you know, obviously I was there a really long time. And mm-hmm. so I had a lot of freedom and... Um, you know, I had just, I got to do a lot of the things I wanted to do. And I got to work on like a lot of really cool things. Yeah. Um, so I didn't really see an end for a long time. And then, you know, I, I think it was owning a business was always something I wanted to do. Like once I kind of got into that part of my career, mm-hmm. um, because like my grandfather was, a um, he was like the beer wholesaler in Newfoundland. Yeah. And, you know, he had a few businesses and I was always like kind of interested in it, but um, it just kind of that didn't kind of come the real interest didn't come till like a little bit later in life. Once I kind of got entrenched into a business and an industry that I was really into, mm-hmm. you know, and I would say um, when I made the, the move, it was a pretty quick decision. It was like not something I had spent a long time planning to do. Um, you know, I, when you kind of have two leaders in a company, eventually you kind of, if you end up, you can only really focus on one vision in a company. And we kind of ended up having two different visions because we both had, you know, we were just interested in different things. And it really kind of, once I kind of realized that, I was like, oh, okay, I think I'm going to maybe need to switch gears. And I pretty much press stop and press play on a new business. Like, you know, we talked and we parted ways. Like, it was all good. And she was like, I totally get it. Like, that's what you want to do. And she wants to pursue her passions. And it was great. But I just kind of like a month later, like registered a business. And Okay, yeah. So what you, you thought of the name. Mm-hmm. You had to get someone to do... A branding, logo, right? Yep. And your website. Mm-hmm. And then did you do a business plan? Did you, you know? Well, um, I mean, really what I wanted to do, I wanted people knew that I had left Limelight. And so I wanted people to know like, okay, well, people are sort of like, well, what's she doing now? So I'll honestly, all I did was I got a very, very basic website super basic basically my logo and contact information on it and i had a logo made and i just put it out there and then uh friends of mine had started an entrepreneur group um they were doing this like program for a year and basically every month you got together with other like you know young entrepreneurs who were starting their businesses and um you know they kind of hit every kind of business topic every month and you know it was really awesome we really kind of came together um as a really good group and some of the people I'm still doing work with from that initial group actually uh, Laura Simpson from Sidor was in that entrepreneur group oh, as awesome. well yeah okay. yeah so um you know that really kind of gave me kind of like a little bit of a path of how to get organized with what I needed for my business and then the I hustled it up and got a real website and got a bunch of marketing pieces together um, and launched it a year later. 
the following October. We launched, it was really funny, was we launched it kind of going, like, a soft launch and put it out there. It was, like, just as we were going in a pop explosion. And right. I just remember going into the seahorse and going in places and everyone was like, oh, my God, congratulations, blah, blah, blah. It was just so much, people were so happy for me that yeah. it was, like, had all kind of come together. And I really wasn't expecting as much, like, response as I I got, yeah. uh, which was awesome. It made me feel really good and empowered to really, like, super dive into, like, what we were doing. Yeah, it's great when you feel that. I, I, I totally agree. So when it comes to funding, so how did you manage this part? Because so as a booking agent, mm-hmm. that's primarily what you do with your company and you manage uh, the Melatones as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as a booking agent, you are not eligible to apply for as many funding programs as other music businesses, mm-hmm. like a record label, like right. an artist manager. So have you applied for funding at all to help support your business? And can you tell us what those programs are and your experiences with that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I did do the SEED uh, program, uh, which – or a a funding program through SEED, Center of Education, Entrepreneurship, and Development. And that's where I wrote my business plan, uh, which was great. But that was really – it's a loan, really, was the first thing I did because I needed some cash flow to, like, get me going. Okay. Through Um, SEED. Through SEED. Yeah. Yeah. Um, They have a lot of different programs, actually, for entrepreneurs. Um, This one just felt like the best fit for me because – because I managed the Melatones, they're a really busy band. I knew they were going to come with me when I left. So I knew I'd make money right out the gate. So it wasn't one of those things where, oh, you want to go on EI and do this and do that. I was like, no, I'm just going to go for it and just – I know how to do this. I'll book something, you know. And uh, the Melatones was one thing I knew I could bank on. And then I knew I could get my hands on other things that I could book. Um and so that's when I kind of got some cash flow basically through seed, which really was really helpful. And then once it kind of came into more of the marketing part, that's when I had applied to the for Music Nova Scotia, the business development program. Awesome. Okay. So we've been funded three times on that program. So the three nice. years I've been in business, I've applied three times. The Great. first year was the a big um, – a big funding uh, application because um, I wanted to get the website up. I wanted to get um, the – I wanted to get a video shot of us. I wanted to get professional photos done. So those sorts of things that kind of put us out there on a level that, you know, buyers from not just people who know me but people could find us if we we're in – if they're in Toronto and they kind of start Googling for whatever um, and they'd find us. So uh, that was a really, really helpful – program. It's a 50-50 program. So you have to put in 50% of your own money and they'll pay the other 50% towards the costs. Mm -hmm. Would you say, was that in the first year, like, uh, or the second year? Well, I started the business October 2016 and the application was a January 15th deadline. January or December 15th or March 15th. It would have been two. So around the time, so that within the first year, though, yeah. So, so then you were able to do all those things, and then, like you mentioned, when you did a bigger launch of your business the following year in October, mm-hmm. you had all those things ready. Exactly, those nice. were all the pieces okay. I needed to get ready for October 2017. Was when we launched. That's when we had everything ready: the video, the website, all that kind of stuff. Cool. So it was like a campaign you enrolled. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Yeah, hundred percent. And that was really great because it was able to give me. Um, access to a little bit more money so I could do things a a little more pro. Mm -hmm. And 
And to be honest, I probably would not have done some of the things that we did had we not had the funding. Like I would not have probably not been able to produce the – we did an About Vox uh, video. Um, so I probably wouldn't have been able to do that. Mm-hmm. I probably would have just did the website and that mm-hmm. would have been it. So, and maybe waited a year and been like, okay, exactly. we'll do a video in six months. Or yeah, something. exactly. So yeah. that was nice because I really wanted to be able to deliver something like super pro and mm-hmm. interesting. And, um, you know, you only got one time to make a – first impression type things. So I wanted people to be able to see that and be like, oh yeah, she's she's doing good. This is this is good. Yeah. Um yeah, and then we just launched in that October of 17. And then we applied again for the program, but really like a smaller request we made, um, a lot more kind of like promo like we did um we had shirts made for like all the tech crew that lots of friends of ours in the tech industry because like they're wearing sh- t-shirts, black t-shirts from all the way across the country, all across the world, really. So we had like a Vox like Good People Crew t-shirt made specifically for oh, them. That's we awesome. had pins made, all that kind of stuff. So and that was like received really really well and then we just did a third round where we want to jump in and do another big project. So we're doing a big marketing campaign. Um, we're going to do an actually an upcoming video shoot as well with uh, Mirror Image Media with the girls from Love Mirror Image. Them. Love them. So we're going to kind of do like a follow up series to the video that we did. We're going to do like a six uh, episode kind of rollout of things about about the work that we do and the people that we work with and that sort of thing. So I'm actually really excited to see that all. That come is together. exciting. Mm-hmm. I want to mention that too because so people I think. Some people don't understand what a booking agent does. Right. Can you tell us just so it's like really clear? Well, a booking agent, they book talent uh, for events. So whether the event is, you know, bar venues, whether it is corporate events where we kind of focus a lot more of our energies, um, festivals, that sort of thing. Um, And you basically take a commission of the artist's fee. Right. And so when you talk about doing sales, you are talking about selling the talent, booking the talent. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, you work with not only musicians, like artists, like we talk a lot about here on the podcast, but also with speakers mm-hmm. and comedians. Mm-hmm. And this is something we have talked about, and I'm interested to talk about it today because... Uh, speakers and comedians almost always do not fit into arts funding programs. They don't. They don't. So to our knowledge, there's no tour support or marketing support of a comedian or speaker wants to do a website, you know, to help develop mm-hmm. their business. So what are your thoughts on this from an arts and a business perspective? Like, should we be considering them to be artists and what they do is art? Uh, should we be investing in that kind of talent here because it's also just as great as a band? Mm -hmm. What do you think? Yeah. So, I mean, on the booking side, I mean, if you're booking a band or you're booking a comedian, you're booking a speaker, it's all very similar. You know, they all have like tech needs. They all need to travel places. It's, it's essentially the same formula, but learning a lot of like just different language of what applies to music versus speaking and, you know, just the style and um, what the industry is doing in that sector. Um, it's wonderful that music is so funded in Canada, like let alone here, we have Music Nova Scotia, but like just also on a federal level. Um, and they do not have that at all. Like in the comedy world, it's really interesting because 
they don't really they don't even they don't have like a music Nova Scotia. They don't have like a real like association type thing as for comedians. They're a lot of them they're just like all winging it, all out on their own and you know, they look to I think a lot more of like the senior comics that have been doing it for a long time for guidance and like what did you do and you know, those sorts of things. And it's it's a really actually a really amazing community, the comedy community. I would love to be booking more comedy. I think there it's such a great entertainment piece for an event, especially in our area where we're for where we focus on corporate and special events. Um, there's a lot of really, I mean, comedians are artists like a hundred percent, and I mean, a lot of them are also actors and they host events and do different things as well. Um, and you know, but they don't have that same kind of association type of thing that other industries like a music industry has. Right. Okay. Or even like there's lots of them for arts. There's like a crafters association, mm-hmm. there's theaters associations and things. Okay. Mm-hmm. So without that, you're right. There's no one organizations where they go to. There's maybe places where the comedians are successful like cbc i'm oh, thinking oh for sure but and you know not. they have there's org there's like um there's actra and there's like the canadian comedy awards that you Jeez. know they obviously like acknowledge um yeah, perform but. comedians and the like their achievements and you know there's obviously there's the festival circuit where they go to all different festivals but it's it's not the same thing. It's a place where people can network and learn from each other and those sorts of things, but it's not at all the level of what other artists get and in other industries and stuff like that. Um, and it's just a, it's just a, like I said, it's a really great community. So I'd love to see them because a lot of them have some really great ideas. Um, but it's on one hand, it's obviously cheaper for a comedian to put out an album than an artist because it's one person a microphone you know obviously you have to have a recording engineer and you've got to market it and all that kind of stuff um but so it's very different like the costs are obviously lower than it would be when you've got a five-piece band that's putting together a record and writing the songs and yeah all that that's kind of fair stuff. yeah those like just basic costs but then they do live shows too oh totally and that would take a whole that's a whole event in itself to record a live show of yeah, okay. for sure. And they also do video, videos and those sorts of things as well. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I would think that for speakers, there's even less of a circuit of support or a system. Well, they, or yeah, us. I mean, they, there is a, there is an association uh, for speakers, like the Canadian Association of Professional Speakers that some people belong to, but it's, it's not one that everyone does. I find speaking is definitely much more of a solo project, like... You know, there's some of them are definitely networking with one another, but they're all kind of building their businesses, I find, pretty solo, or they're working with agents and managers like us. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we've helped build um, Tara Kedhad's career from Piece by Chocolate. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like, I mean, he's kind of learned all of his, other than actually doing the speaking, he's learned all of the industry stuff from us, you know. Tell us about him a little bit, just so we get a sense of, like, you know, who who, who he is and the type of client that you work yeah, with for so, speaking. Yeah, so, I mean, Tarek. Um, you know, he's a, a Syrian uh, newcomer to Canada. He was a refugee. Um, his family came here to Canada in 2016 um, after they fled Syria and for because of the war. Um, and the family restarted their uh, chocolate business in Antigonish. And they've become this like global phenomena. Like it's pretty cool. Like the 
prime minister was like a fan. You I know? actually it's, saw that video. It was nuts. The prime minister gave Peace by Chocolate as part of a gift, mm-hmm, right? To the to, U.S. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, the story, you can't write this stuff. Like, it's it's so amazing. And it's also, you know, it's a business story, which, you know, obviously a lot of people are interested in business and entrepreneurship. But really, Tarek's message is really all about peace. And it's all about, you know, giving immigrants a chance. So, he was getting so many requests to speak that it was like becoming overwhelming. And actually one of the guys uh, from the entrepreneur group that I'd started with, he had been working with Tarek on all of the marketing and he's like, he really needs someone to handle his speaking. And we started working together and it's going awesome. Like I just love the work that we're doing together. He's so wonderful. Um, But there's not any funding out there to like, Oh, we want to like, Oh, go make a bunch of videos or something to put out. He's got to pay for that all himself. Like that's really how it works. The same as, in the comedy world, um, you're really paying for all of these things yourself. There's really not funding. Although it, it's come up a number of times that it's kind of been tabled that I've talked to like, you know, communities, culture and heritage. Like, are you going to change that? Um, you know, or is there going to be opportunities? Yeah. For, what if there's comedians that are moving yeah. back to the Maritimes who have lived in LA and they've lived in Toronto and they're moving back to Nova Scotia, they're moving to New Brunswick and PEI because, I've, you know, they're raising families and they want to come home. And you can obviously work from here and travel. Um, but it would sure it would be really nice opportunity for them to get some access to funding because they can kind of pull together a little bit more material and hopefully end up making more money. That's inevitably what really what you want to do with funding. You want to turn yeah. that $5,000 into $50,000 sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, you know? get your return on it. And also, I mean, from the arts side of it too, like recognizing, I think that comedy has a place within the arts oh, and that it's important to support um, and that it has a lot of the same benefits that going to a live show does or like sure. going to see an, an inspiring, incredible speaker. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay. So there's, so what you've heard in your kind of looking into this kind of thing is just that it's not yet happening. It would be great if it could happen. Maybe somebody can start like a comedy association. I'm just going to throw that out there. Maybe <laughs> somebody will do it. Who knows? Yeah. And then, you know, lobby the government, ask them for some money, annually put together some programs and start putting some more comedians on the road. Because they do, they could use some of the same funding, like tour and marketing. Oh, really totally. Comes to mind. It would be really exciting. Yeah. Um, okay. This is a fun topic that we've also talked about too before and uh and i think we should just kind of put it out there for people as well to 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 talk about and think about so across the board in the east coast we have seen over the years on stage so much plaid so much plaid so much plaid Mm -hmm. and we love plaid there's Mm -hmm. a time and a place for plaid uh but (laughs) You know, why? Why does it matter what people wear on stage? It's a funny question to ask, but you are someone I know who has a lot of thoughts on this because you help (laughs) your clients. (laughs) For good reason, you help your clients do their best on stage, whether they're comedians, speakers, artists. And you're able to give that critical advice, I think. So Mm -hmm. let's give it all to everyone. (laughs) <laughs> okay. First of all, I love plaid. I own so much plaid. Yes, me yeah. too. Um, but I, 
You know, I think it it, it really comes a lot down to an artist's image and what you're trying to portray on stage. And I get it. Some people like, you know, there's different types of bands. Plaid works for sure. T-shirts work. Black T-shirts, black jeans, whatever. Um, but, you know, a lot, a lot of times it's, you're selling talent. You're selling like the same thing as we're selling talent to people. Um, they're selling themselves from like, book me. I want to play in England. I want to play in, you know, the U.S. I want to play wherever. Um, and I think it just kind of has a lot like uh, your look does have part of that. People want to buy like a packaged person. Um, they've got to be able to sell it too. They've got to sell 200 tickets, 500 tickets, whatever. And I do think that, you know, you're portraying a certain type of image on stage and it really should kind of, your attire, I guess, should kind of match what you're like all going for, if you will. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, it kills me to see people show up at a sound check and then they perform that night and they're in like the same outfit. Like there's yes. a couple of sound guys that I all were always laughing like, oh my God, come on, buddy, at least change the t-shirt. You know, right. it's like you're entertaining people. So it's, it's just one of those things. It's kind of, I love when you see um, musicians walking around the room before the show and you have no idea, like you would have no idea they're on stage and then they get up on stage and they have they've changed they it's right. like oh my god it's like their musical persona like just comes out you know right it's like an elevated version cuz cuz i think the visual is a huge part of it and mm-hmm. it the music is the most important like we can agree that the talent is the most important thing on of stage of course yeah of course but i think some artists are missing out on the opportunity to really enhance their show and like hit it home and make that visual part of their show even better because they're, you're right, not thinking what they're wearing matters. Oh, right. I'll just wear the shirt that I just wear every day. Mm-hmm. But I like, actually, Christina Martin is someone who's on the show. Yeah, I was just going to say, really? what a perfect example. Yes. Girl shows up every time. She's like, oh, should I wear this or this? She's got like three jackets. She's got four shirts. It's like, she buys clothes when she goes to Europe. She's like, oh, it's my new stage. Jacket's like fringe. She looks like a yes. fancy, gorgeous like exotic crow or something. I don't know. She's like, but she's one of those people that when she's on stage, it's like, she's entertaining people. She looks great. She looks super cool. She's styling. Also, she's got a great voice. She's, you know, Mm -hmm. great songs, rocking out on the guitar. And, but I, that's like, she's just one of those people that just like, she's the full package. And I just feel that like clothes also is a big part of that, you know? So you talk about the package. I think that's a good point because from someone like yourself, who's a booking agent and you're selling mm-hmm. an act, yeah, selling talent to someone, you want to be able to confidently know that the artist or that talent is going to look great and sound great and just overall be great. Like you're going to deliver something outstanding, Mm -hmm. like every piece is taken care of. So when you are looking, you know, when you're out at shows and you're watching comedians at events and things in the back of your mind, if you're thinking like, oh, this, this person's so talented, you know, could they be a potential client of mine? Could I sell them? What is it that you're looking for? Does it matter that they have tons of social media followers do they need to have a website with a great video of their act like Mm -hmm. what do you look for in a potential new client well for 
for one thing, I will I will just say video is so important. And because we work with a lot of people, especially on the East Coast. Um, I mean, we work all across Canada, but we're often we work with a lot of different people from especially from Nova Scotia. And the Maritimes, really. So it could be, especially if you're booking, like, you know, could be anything from, like, background music or they want, like, a solo guitar player. And um, there's a lot of different options, you know, that we can choose from. Um, So, but video is so helpful. I mean, it's so easy to sell people. It's like, well, this is what they sound like. This is what they look like. This is the style of music that they're playing. And they're like, great, I'll take that one. You know, like video just really, really helps people in the buying decision. So I just always encourage, because there's some people who I really have tried to push and certain clients who trust me and have worked with me a lot. Like, yes, I'll buy that. Per- yep, that person looks perfect. Yep, that person sounds perfect. Yes, just just go with whatever you're suggesting. But if they don't know me very well and they don't know any of the acts, they're really kind of buying on what comes through in the proposal. So if I don't have any good video, if they don't have a good headshot, if they don't have a website, it just – no matter how talented they are, it's really hard for someone who doesn't know. You know, and people are buying – you know, they've got to entertain a lot of people and they've got to have the, you know, approval of their bosses and stuff and they want to make sure everything is great. Um, so video I just think is just one of those important things. I mean for us, the people that – when we're looking at people to work with, I mean a lot of the people on our roster – are good friends. Like that's kind of the reality. There are people that I would welcome into my home. Um, there are people who they're just like our people. And it's a really, for me, it's like, you've got to have a really good relationship with someone to like, to be part of our roster, if you will. Um, Cause you just, you want to be able to trust these people. You want them to be very talented. Um, and then, you know, some people who I I've worked with that I've worked with them a long time and we just work with them to like help groom them to like, and help them um, just kind of guide them through everything, <laughs> all the pieces, whether they're putting together new materials or what they're putting out there on the stage, whether they're a speaker or a, a musician and, or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think when it comes down to like the media presence, like it honestly, it helps. I mean, Tarek, for ex- an example, like his phone was ringing off a hook, like his inbox was full. Like, obviously that's very appealing, you know, the yeah. <laughs> prime minister Trudeau was like talking about him at a UN yeah. event. It's like, obviously that's yeah. a great choice. That's huge. Huge. But huge. those are so rare. Mm-hmm. And if anyone does have that many followers, they've, they're probably already working with someone, you know, but okay. sometimes people just kind of emerge or they write some hit songs or, you know, they're doing something really great that's received a lot of media attention. Then they just need help and support. Mm-hmm. Cause you can book anyone. At yes. Vox, that's, right? our whole, that's our whole thing at Vox. Like we yeah. can book anyone. So you have your roster. Yes. And then you also see other talent mm-hmm. and then your clients come to you who are doing events and things. Mm-hmm. They say, Hey, we're really looking for ABC. And you know, if even if ABC isn't on your roster, right. you know where they are and we'll reach out to them and make that deal. Exactly. Because it's, yeah, it's just, it's talent buying basically is what we're doing. And, um, you know, we, we call Feldman, we call APA, we call, um, you know, Sonic and Jones and Co. And just, we want to work with people that we really like as well, whenever the, the chance is. Like, sure, some people call for people specifically, but other times they're like, ah, oh, we just want like a headliner. We're not really sure who it makes sense. And then like, we reach out to people like Tom and I'll be like, all right, who's available this date? This is my price range. So let me present some ideas. And 
you know, Tom's always happy when we call. It's like, great. Yeah. You go sell some of my people, you yeah. know? Um, so that's it. That's the thing is like, yeah, we can book anyone, which mm-hmm. is, um, which I love doing because then you get to work with so many different people and get to work with um, on so many different types of events. Yeah. Like I've worked with probably almost every single like popular East Coast artist. Like we've worked with so many people. It's been so much fun. That's so good. Yeah. Well, it's a testament to our people because you only work with good people. Exactly. So there good you people go. Booked. Um, I want to thank you for coming in here today. This like flew by. Oh my God. I can't believe this is done. I know. <laughs> <laughs> we got it in, girl. We got it in. Uh, thank you for sharing all this stuff. I'm so happy for you and where you're at. And I oh, can't wait you. to see all the stuff that's coming up. And yeah, we appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah, we're really excited too. And thanks so much for having me. Yay. Yay. Thank you for listening. And we hope you enjoyed the show. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast wherever you like to listen to podcasts so you never miss a new episode of Granted. Produced by Chris DiCchio and John Mullane at John Studio in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Follow us on social media. We are at Granted Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And you can follow us on Twitter at Granted underscore Podcast. Granted.